Welcome everyone to Delighting in the Psalms. Our hope is to provide you with some reflections and responses in order to deepen your delight in God's word. We're tracking with the Psalms in April according to the day of the week and sharing our own thoughts every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And our goal is not to be a replacement for your personal time in the word, but to help you in your walk with the Lord. Today, because it's April 15th, we'll be in Psalm 15. And I'm joined by Cindy Martin and Jen Martin, who are both on the Lancaster team with Disciple Makers. Jen's on staff and Cindy volunteers with us, but their bond goes much deeper beyond the Lancaster team. They are family. Jen is married to Cindy's son, Joel. And I wish that instead of studying Psalm 15, we could just listen to you guys swap embarrassing stories. Do you guys want to do that instead? <laughs> no. No. All right, that'll be a bonus episode. I guess we'll just read Psalm 15 then and we'll talk about it. All right, so here we go. This is Psalm 15. A Psalm of David. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. All right. So what do you guys think? What stood out to you about Psalm 15? The first thing I noticed was it's a question and answer with a long answer. Yes. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, it does seem like it's just all one sentence. Right, yeah. And according to the way they wrote the English grammar, it kind of is. Two sentences, technically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I also noticed how socially oriented the answer was. Um, that it's it's very outward focused and yet uh, sort of measured internally. You know, so it's all about his neighbor, his friend, the innocent, um, and and like the others, right? And yet the things that it's measuring are very internal. It's like speaking truth in his heart like there, there are things that well up from inside like you don't just you know it does no evil it honors it it i don't know i mean they are physical things but they're they're hard to measure you know if you were to go to a priest and i'm thinking about like the original israelites if you went to the priest you can't just you're not going to know looking at you mm -hmm. done these things kind of thing yeah yeah it's like character and heart oriented yeah and like you said, socially oriented too. Yeah, I think when you think about the question, like who will dwell with the Lord, mm -hmm. um, we could tend to think about someone who um, spends time in the word, someone who prays, mm -hmm. uh, more those individual relating to the Lord things. So while important, as Jen said to me, this is more how you're relating to people around you than it is your relationship with the Lord, which is not what you would expect or anticipate. Yeah. Hmm. 
Well, and that's interesting too, because what stood out to me is how similar this seems to Psalm 1, which is like the, the intro to the Psalms. And the, the, the answer, if you were to say like the, asking the similar question for Psalm 1 is <clears throat> someone who delights in God's law. Mm. And this, I feel like this is, uh, Cindy, like you're pointing out like a really good compliment and maybe fleshing out what Psalm 1 is actually talking about. Like it's not just someone who holds up in their room and just prays and sings on their own. Like it has direct impact on relationships and life outside the home, which is really interesting. Yeah. And yet I think as Jen pointed out, those things are matters of the heart. So the way that we're doing that, that we're walking blamelessly and doing what is right is speaking truth, not slandering, um, swearing to our own hurt. Those are issues of character, not just outward actions. So the Lord transforming and changing our heart is part of that whole picture. Hmm. Um, but interesting, good thought about Psalm 1 though, because it is both, it's not one or the other. It's yeah. expression of it really, you know, like if, if you're delighting in the Lord and, and in his word, well, then it should look like and be walked out in these ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like the, the greatest commandment to love God and the second one, love others. Like they're, they're mm -hmm. totally related and one informs the other. Yeah. I think the, um, when I read it the very first time, uh, when I was studying and preparing, the, the thing that stood out to me the most was um, the end of verse four, where who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Um, like I think the swearing to his own hurt, like even in the law, there was provision made that if you had, the Proverbs talk about like, if you've made a stupid decision and made a stupid commitment, get yourself out of it. You know, like that's what wisdom says. And yet the thing that I thought of immediately when I read that was Jesus, like he committed to his own hurt. You know, he committed to coming and forfeiting everything and he did not change and he did not waver. Um, and it was to his own detriment in a mm. sense. And so that, I don't know, that, that sense of doing what is just and right and that you've committed to even over your own personal gain or personal loss was really stood out to me as a way of walking with the Lord. That's good. That was the one that caught my attention, but nowhere near as profound as <laughs> what you were saying. I was just like, dang, I need to stick to my commitments. <laughs> but you just blew it up. <laughs> I think there's, to me, verse four about swearing to your own heart and not changing. And then when you look um, at verse eight at the end, who does these things shall never be moved. Mm -hmm. To me, there's like a parallel or um, mm -hmm. can't think of the right word, but one is kind of related to the other in the mm -hmm. sense of not changing and yeah. not being moved kind of. A... Yeah, there's a permanence. Yeah. Yeah. A steadfastness. Mm -hmm. Which, and that's actually the thing that made me think of Psalm 1, because that's kind of the, the idea of Psalm 1, delighting in God's law. 
plant he says that you're like a tree planted by streams of water um so yeah the idea of holiness loving the lord creating a steadfastness and you not being moved that seems to be a theme that's carried throughout the psalms i, I think oh go ahead clint I was just going to say, um, going back to what you said about the social orientation, it's interesting to see how many different people are talked about. Mm -hmm. So neighbor, friend, vile person, those who fear the Lord, um, the innocent, mm -hmm. like there's, there's kind of this like expansive idea of all relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of struck with, um, what do I want to call the proximity of starting close by, you know, your neighbor, your friend, um, particularly during this time when we don't have as much contact with people, we're very much more aware of people right around us. Um, so I feel like it kind of starts there. We don't do evil to our neighbor. We don't have reproach against um, a friend and then kind of broadens out from there. But that feels very relevant to me in the place where we find ourselves right now. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say earlier, Jen? I don't remember. Uh, I cut you off. That's all right. <laughs> so what would you say is kind of like the, the main idea of Psalm 15? I feel like it is this, the, the question like who and how can you be in the presence of the Lord, right? Can you dwell on the holy hill? And the answer is really the whole thing, but it's, I think it's really captured and summarized in the very last line, like he who does these things shall never be moved. So there's that bookend of there's dwelling, like who can dwell and you shall never be moved. I mean, like, you can take it the way we often talk about moving, like packing boxes, <clears throat> you know, and loading trucks or whatever. <clears throat> but there's just that permanence there of dwelling and, and not being removed, not being taken away, not being put out, um, but that you always stay there in the presence. I would agree with Jen in terms of the, the theme is me answering the question which in some ways makes me think about do there it predisposes the idea that someone wants to be in the presence of the lord someone wants uh to know the answer to this question how can i be and on the holy hill where uh, god's presence is so there's an underlying heart condition that is being assumed in asking the question and i think that's the theme the rest of it answers who that is yeah and i think in terms of the the answer it seems to be i mean for lack of a better word holiness mm -hmm. but fleshing that out as a character a, uh, a characteristic like a heart reality and how well, we've already talked about how it uh, impacts your relationships um which i think this could just move us into to application and you know response um i think i normally or maybe years ago i would have read psalm 15 and just assumed oh well jesus fulfills this psalm like 
I can't be blameless. Like I can't hold up to this standard, you know, like just kind of like bypass the call to be holy, which at one level, yes, Christ is the only one who fulfills this. But um, I think in my own life and what I see, generally speaking, it's really easy to downplay holiness. Um, so what do you guys think in terms of how this relates to our lives or, you know, the, the students we minister to? How does Psalm 15 impact us here in the midst of this pandemic? I agree with you. Like it was, it's, I mean, that really did stand out to me. Like who really can do these things? Like only Jesus can. And so only by his mercy and by his grace and his spirit can, I can walk these things out. Like I'm, and I'm called to, um, I think it, I mean, I think we're all looking for ways to connect and i think the scriptures are calling us to make sure we're connecting in these ways you know that are we doing what is just you know we're we're all under a lot of stress you know so when we're going to the grocery store are we um taking making sure we're doing no evil to our neighbor by stealing extra toilet paper um, you know taking hoarding in a sense because we're fearful or stressed um or I think about as a mom and my kids are now being cyber schooled um, by public school teachers over the internet while they're at my house. Like it's just so muddled and messy and the teachers are doing everything they can and know, but I'd hear a lot of complaining and a lot, and it is, it's, it falls short and it's not ideal and nobody thinks it is, but can I make sure that I take no reproach up against these people who are really trying to do good to my kids you know, and so I think even in that, as I talk to other moms and other friends, you know, making sure I'm not taking up reproach against people who are just trying to do the best they know how to do right now. Hmm. It's easy to complain and point fingers at anybody really in leadership or, or doing something. But I think those are some key ways that I feel like I can put those off and, and do what is just and good. Mm-hmm. You mean loving your neighbor doesn't get put on hold during the pandemic? Did not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really good, Jen. I think for me, when I think about um, the public discourse about mm. um, even the pandemic and how to handle it and what should be done and what should not be done and all of the disagreements uh, between different people and their views on it, um, which I know that was there prior to this just in life in general, but again, it's reflected in this particular issue. Um, you know, when I read through comments that people make on certain articles or posts on different social media, it can be extremely disheartening to me to hear the slander and evil that people mm. um, have toward each other, people who don't even know each other, um, you know, in a neighborhood um, groups, those kind of things. So I think for me, part of it is just being um, generous in, as Jen said, I think, you know, most people have the best intentions at heart of how they're trying to handle things and not speaking evil of that um, and not slandering the way, oh, that neighbor didn't wear a mask when they did this or, you know, Oh, they've got people over there. Those kind of things that we can tend to want to do uh, if people do things a little bit differently than we would. So 
I think um, that would be a practical application for me of just being generous and kind to my neighbors, as well as speaking truth, though, about Jesus and who he is um, and looking for opportunities to talk to people about Jesus, uh, even if it's just as I'm taking a walk and there's people at a distance and you're a neighbor and you're talking to them up on the porch in some way. Hmm. It's crazy how relevant Psalm 15 is. <laughs> yeah. Like at first glance, you're like, oh, okay, this is kind of a weird psalm. But then even now, like what you guys are saying, super practical. Mm -hmm. I think the, the other thing I would throw into the pot is verse five. Um, just the idea of money and taking advantage of people. And you know, I think we've already seen, unfortunately, people doing that. Um, you know, like Jen, you mentioned hoarding and people reselling things. And, um, you know, thankfully, I think it was maybe Amazon shut down the whole flipping hand sanitizer for profit. Um, but just the idea of asking what can we be doing with our money and with the things that we have now. Um, so, so Jillian and I have been thinking about the stimulus package that's coming out um, and asking the question, like, how can we be generous? Um, how can the church be generous during this time yeah. um, to help those who are in need to help our neighbors and all <clears throat> that? Um, yeah. That's a hard question. I mean, to know a good way to feel like you're using the money wisely to helping others. But I agree. I think that it, it's something that as we follow Christ, we really need to think about um, those who are in need and how we can help, what we can do. Well, and especially because kind of like Jen, what you were saying, like going to the grocery store, like one of the ways that we, one of the primary ways we love our neighbors right now is staying inside, wearing a mask, washing your hands, you know, yeah. like, which is, which is great. But then I think we felt like the eagerness, like, we want to do something more, but it just feels like there's not much we can do. Mm -hmm. But I really appreciate some of the examples you guys have shared about how to love neighbors and, you know, respect teachers and government and all that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to see how Psalm 15 is so relevant to our, our circumstances. Um, and we've been seeing that throughout the Psalms, whether it's lamenting, uh, you know, our circumstances or trusting in the Lord in the midst of difficulty or uh, Psalm 15 really challenging us to be holy, uh, primarily in the way that we relate to other people. Um, we, we appreciate you listening and, and joining in and diving into Psalm 15 with us. And our hope is that based on this Psalm, you would see that your relationship with the Lord directly impacts your relationship with others. That especially now we're called to love our neighbors, extending the mercy that we've received from the Lord to those around us. So if you're in need of a simple Bible reading plan this month, go ahead and spend time on your own in Psalm 16 tomorrow, and we'll be back on April 17th looking at Psalm 17. Jen, Cindy, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. You're welcome.